building long-lasting and sustainable relationships at work have multiple vehicles and verticals of productivity and production which lead to more positivity. According to Gallup, employees with a best friend at work are 40% more likely to be praised for their work performance and productivity the week prior, and another 27% report that a positive relationship at work would propel them to report that work provided them the sense of empowerment they needed to maximize their fullest potential. Morag Barrett is the CEO and founder of Sky Team, an award-winning, women-owned, global leadership development firm. They focus on building sustainable and successful organizations through the development of high potential and high functioning leaders at all levels. Barrett joined me this week to have a conversation about building effective relationships, leadership at work, and so much more. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. My pleasure, Kevin. Looking forward to our conversation. As am I, and you're telling that business is all about relationships, and uh, in order to have effective leaderships, uh, leadership uh, relationships matter. So I'm wondering if you can tell me more. Well, I started my first career in finance, Kevin, where it was all about the numbers, and people were focused on, oh, you know, we're going to get rich, we're going to make unicorn widgets. And then I realized, though, very quickly that not everybody was able to deliver the results in the cash flow forecast. And when I took a step back to understand why, it wasn't that those leaders weren't smart enough. It was because they hadn't invested in the quality of their professional relationships. They hadn't looked at how business gets done. And so that was the inspiration for moving into leadership and executive development, becoming an executive coach, but also my two books that you see over my shoulder, Cultivate, and my new book, You, Me, We. And tell me about those books. What inspired you to write them and what are they all about? Well, you know what it's like, Kevin. Everybody's your friend, especially at work when things are going well. But when the going gets tough, when the project is going off its rails, maybe you've been laid off or you're looking for that next job, suddenly we can find ourselves isolated at our point of vulnerability. And that's when the finger pointing and blame goes, it's not my fault, it's because sales didn't sell it. 
it's not my fault, it's operations didn't build it. It's not my fault, it's HR, they didn't hire the right people. Finger pointing and blame. So I wrote Cultivate to introduce what I call the relationship ecosystem, Kevin, a way of describing the health of our professional relationships from allies, the people who have our back, not just on the good days, but on the tough days, the ones who will celebrate our successes with us, but also give us the feedback we need to hear and the kick in the pants when we need it to help us move in the right direction. And then through to supporters, fair weather friends, rivals and adversaries, those relationships that it feels like you're always butting heads. And it transformed teams, Kevin, and it gave people a positive way of navigating through uncertainty, stress, when the emotions are raised. And given the last two years with the uh, pandemic, all of us have been experiencing that and an increased sense of isolation as we work through the camera and through cultivating the idea of being an ally, helping to bring people together and build a sense of belonging. Yeah, absolutely. And tell me, how do you think we can best maximize professional leadership and development? What are the keys are there? Well, first off is paying attention, being intentional about how we show up. For example, on this call, taking a few seconds before I joined the podcast to think about, well, what does Kevin need in order for this to be a fun and engaging episode? What does his audience want to hear? And here's the thing, Kevin, if you Google the word leadership, you end up with more than a billion results for which I apologize, I've contributed to some of those. Well, that's way too much information for most of us to process. So the only definition of leadership that matters is our own. And we can start really simply thinking about the leaders that we would jump at the chance to work with again and recognizing what is it that makes them special, who are our go-to colleagues, and emulating those behaviors. And in fact, for the people listening to this episode, I challenge you, whoever just came to mind as the best boss, the best colleague, I dare you, I double dog dare you, send them a message. Send them, you're listening to Kevin's podcast, you were asked to think about a great leader, and hey, I thought about you, and here's why. And whether you do it by email, text message, LinkedIn message, message to the universe, I guarantee you are going to give it, get a reply that Build, gives you goosebumps, but also strengthens that professional relationship. So and that's what, the first step. Look up and role model it. Yeah, absolutely. And tell me, you know, I will share just a little bit about myself. So I was born with a cerebral palsy and the form of cerebral palsy uh, I have is called uh, spastic quadriplegia. Simple means that I don't have enough oxygen in my legs to walk normally. And outside of hosting this podcast, going and work with leaders and organizations to make sure that they can maximize their their fullest potential as it comes to hiring uh, folks with disabilities. So tell me when we think about inclusivity for folks with disabilities in the workforce, what do you think of? So I think there's two parts to that. It's the inward looking and the outward looking. 
I am sure that you have experienced this, and I know that I and others will have made assumptions about what you or anybody who has a, a disability or a different perspective on life, what they can and can't achieve. And the challenge here is for us to recognize our own biases, but also internally when somebody gives us feedback that tells us you can't because. I think back to my uh, finance career, you're too young to be promoted to manager. You're a woman in a man's world, you can't because. Well, there are things I can change and there are things I can't change. But what I can choose to do is to step up in the moment and prove others wrong and prove to myself that I can do these things. So the fact that you have this successful podcast, the fact that you are coaching um, companies and leaders on how to increase accessibility, keep doing that. And the naysayers and the doubters, ah, we can worry about them later. But right now, there are plenty of people who will benefit from your insights, from our insights, who are ready, willing and able to listen and learn and do differently as a result. And that's the power of being an ally, not just an ally to others, but an ally to ourselves and what we know we can bring to the table. Yeah, and building on the concept of being an ally, I'm also curious to ask you about the, uh, the notion that representation matters and how you uh, view that terminology and how important it is. So I think representation is critical and sometimes it starts with ourselves because we've all sat in meetings thinking, oh, that will never work or I don't understand, but have been too afraid to ask the questions. And so, again, I, I learned to do this myself. I challenge others the next time you're sitting there thinking that, then how can you ask the question either in the meeting or after the meeting that increases your understanding or helps others to increase their understanding? Yeah, absolutely. And to that point, I'm also curious to ask you about uh, the importance of networking and the value of, uh, the value of authentic human connection. Oh, human connection and that the relationships that we have personally and professionally they are the heart and lungs of life you cannot high perform alone and if you think about it in a work world even if you're a solopreneur running your own business you are still dependent on others for your success whether it's your clients whether it's the referrals whether it's your family and friends who are providing a support network and so every day we need to be paying attention to our network. And think about it, you and I would not have met but for the fact that we connected on LinkedIn and had an exchange and got to know each other there. And so even when we're working at a distance, time and technology is allowing us to build connections that can set us up for success today, maybe next week, and certainly next month when we're paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you uh, talk about making connections. And, you know, I think one of the blessings of the pandemic, and there weren't many, but I think that the, the evolution of technology allows us to be more efficient in business. Would you agree with that? Well, yes and no. It's a double-edged sword because what I'm hearing, it's made us more efficient in business 
but it means that everybody is doing more Zoom meetings, back-to-back -back meetings. They're not that, switching off. That's, so that's true, the first yeah. warning. The other downside, Kevin, is many leaders, the inexperienced leaders, are getting onto the Zoom, and the first thing they're saying is, Kevin, where's that report? How's the project doing? We're focused on the work. We're not taking a few moments to check in and ask, how are you doing? And checking in on the human side of the, the work that needs to be done, making sure that we're connecting with compassion, which is the second component that I talk about in my new book, You, Me, We, in the Ally Mindset Profile. So technology, when it's used ruthlessly, is not, it may be efficient, but it's not effective. And we need to bring the human through the camera and spend some time connecting before we get down to the work that also needs to get done. Yeah, absolutely. Now tell me about a sky team, the company that you run, building effective leaders, uh, no matter what aspect of business they come from. I'm fascinated. Tell me all about it. So it is the hardest I have ever worked. Working in a corporate role was easy by comparison, Kevin. And I remember starting Sky Team in 2007 with a, I'll give it a year and see what happens. And now it's 15 years later. We've worked with leaders from more than 20 countries and on four continents. And ultimately, it doesn't matter whether they're in gold mining or oil and gas, healthcare or finance. What holds us back every single time is the inability to have tough conversations, our unwillingness to hear the tough feedback when it comes at us, um, challenges with collaborating and teamwork. And that's what my team and I do at Sky Team. We are a high-performing team, but we also help build high-performing teams with leaders around the world. And it's the most fun I've had, Kevin but also the hardest I've worked in the last 20 years or throughout my whole career. It keeps you young and uh, always entertained, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness, yeah. Life is too short to not be having fun. So we're picky about the clients that we work with and of our eight corporate values. Four are connected with making it light, making it fun, bringing some joy to the workplace versus the traditional grindstone that we've been told it has to be. That is wrong. Yeah, and what I would just ask you about reversing attitudinal barriers and opening, opening up a leader's mindset to accepting or exploring a new, perspe a new perspective on, on getting things done around the office. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I've gone through my own journey of adjusting because when I started in finance, I already alluded to it. It was a male-dominated environment. This was in the early 90s because my career is pretty old. But it was suits and ties. It was speak when you were spoken to. It was hierarchical. It was follow the rule book. And it has taken me 30 years of my career to move from only ever presenting a professional face of I know everything, I've got everything under control, to being able to admit when I don't know, to ask for help, and to acknowledge the mistakes that I make. And we all have that journey. But what I've learned is that by having that courage and vulnerability to ask for help, to say when I don't know, to take the help when it's offered, 
the sky hasn't fallen in. In fact, our relationships with our clients have got even more stronger because we can work better together. And so there, Kevin, the shift here is from work is somewhere we have to go. Yes, we all have bills to pay, but rather turning it into an environment where we want to be, where we can thrive, where we feel like we belong, where our opinions matter. That's when you get to innovation, creativity and a high performing team. And when we talk about high performing teams, I'm curious to ask you about emotional intelligence and how important that is to really building a team that is uh, sustainable. Well, when it first started as a phrase in the 90s, I remember thinking, remember I was in banking, oh, this is the latest buzzword, it will never stick. But the more that I research it, it's one of my favorite workshops and content areas to teach the more I recognize that it is critical and core to everything that we do and who we are. <laughs> and in fact, if you want to learn more about emotional intelligence, my prescription is a bowl of popcorn and to watch the Disney Pixar movie Inside Out. Okay. And I won't do a spoiler alert, but you get to understand how emotions drive our behavior. And as humans, we're hardwired for the fight or flight response and whilst you don't meet many saber-toothed tigers in the workplace, a look from a boss that sets off our amygdala that says, uh-oh, I'm in trouble, can cause us to shut down. Getting frustrated because a piece of technology or a project isn't moving as we expected can cause us to move from being assertive to being aggressive. So emotional intelligence, it is the topic that every leader should read about and if as a minimum, watch Inside Out, and I promise you will not be disappointed. Yeah, it's a great movie, isn't it? It is. And what I'm curious to ask you about the theory or concept of being an ally at work. I know that uh, it's something that you believe that everyone should have, but talk to me about camaraderie at work and how important that is. Well, think about it. If you're listening to this episode, here we are, it's July 2022. I'm hoping you're listening to us indefinitely. But think about what you're trying to achieve personally or professionally in the next six months. What is your bonus dependent on? What is your paycheck dependent on you being able to do? And then identify the three to five people who can directly help or hinder you. And if on those three to five people, you don't have at least one ally, your best friend at work, then now is the time to start investing in those relationships. Because having one ally, the research from Gallup is clear, it results in a higher engaged workforce. When we have a best friend at work, um, it means we're going to take informed risk. We're willing to go the extra mile to help them or to help the team to succeed. So having a friend, one friend as a minimum, is the goal for all of us in the workplace. But in order to have a friend, we need to be a friend. And that's the premise of You, Me, We, my new book that comes out later this year. And Morgan, I've waited 15 minutes to ask you this question and I can't wait anymore. 
you know, your accent tells me that you had some um, interesting experiences. So tell me where you were originally from and how has it given you a perspective on life? So I, when I'm feeling mischievous, I tell people that I'm from Texas, but the oh, accent yeah. is actually from England. I grew up there and I moved to Colorado 17 years ago. And so that has given me the opportunity to a experience two cultures, America and England. We may share a common history and allegedly a common language. But I can tell you there is some English English that does not translate into American English. Um, and so just being curious about people's lived experiences and how we can be better together. That's what drives me and drives my team at Sky Team. And tell me, you brought up being curious. How important is that to, to uh, being an effective leader? So curiosity, is that... Yeah. Curiosity, yeah, cu yeah curiosity. Yeah. How, how important is it to being an effective leader? Yeah. Well, if we put it alongside ally minds, uh, emotional intelligence, if we put it alongside the importance of having and being a friend at work, curiosity is what gets you to the next level. Because when we stop learning, when we, st we stop paying attention and being curious about others' perspectives, then invariably the divisions remain and then we get back to the finger pointing and blame that I talked about earlier on in our conversation. Yeah, and tell me as a leader, how important is it to sometimes relinquish power and really empower the people who work for you? Oh, it's, it's key. So I learned, obviously I started Sky Team uh, in 2007 and it was just me. So Morag's way was the way. And before that, I've led teams around the world in a corporate role. So I've learned to be a leader. And sometimes I've done well and sometimes not so well. But as I grew Sky Team and Eric and Ruby joined me and others joined me, I learned that Morag's way is not always the best way. But it can be tough to relinquish control. And we get hung up in our own egos. We get hung up on, well, I made it this far because of the way we do it. And it goes back to curiosity. When we let go of control, when we allow others to create their own methods and approach, invariably it brings a new perspective that makes us better together. So curiosity, learning, delegation, letting go of control, it is all connected. And it comes back to the emotional intelligence that you asked about earlier on. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious to ask you about when you work with people these days, what are they most concerned about when it comes to the future of business? And what are they most excited about, too? So I think it's, it's both. It's the result of the pandemic. They're most concerned about can we continue to attract, retain, and develop the talented people we need to be successful? How do I do that through a camera if we aren't able to meet every single day in three dimensions? And so that is, I think, also what people are most excited about is how do we flex the traditional definitions that used to say that work had to happen between nine and five if you were lucky at an office after an, a 30-minute or a one-hour commute 
Right now, what's it doing is it's opening up the possibilities for you and me to work with companies and colleagues that we may not have had to do from the comfort of our own home. So it's two sides of the same coin, fear over doing it in a hybrid environment, but also excitement for the opportunities that it brings. And my last question for you has to do with how do you think you want to define your life dash? And what I mean by that is I interviewed uh, 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 an executive coach a couple of weeks ago, and his name's uh, David Avrin, and he told me... Oh, I know he, David. Yeah, he told me about... Small world, I know David. He's he, phenomenal. He's <laughs> a great guy, isn't he? And at yes. the end of our conversation, he told me... When I asked him about his legacy, he told me it's not about the year you were born and the year you uh, you die. It's about the dash in the middle and how you want to define the way you want your dash to be remembered when you have a chance for impact. So I'll end our conversation by asking you, how do you want your dash to be remembered? I think I want to be remembered as it was fun while it lasted and that I helped inspire others to be better in whatever game of work or life that they're playing. And that's how I want to be remembered, for fun but helping others to achieve what's important to them. Yeah, putting uh, together a life puzzle. You know, there's a sign in my office that says, that everyone's portrait of success is different, isn't it? It is, indeed, yeah. Absolutely. And Maureen, tell me if people want to get connected with the great work that you do with with you uh, personally, what's the best way they can do that? Well, they should definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. If you send me a message, consider me an ally, I will respond. And you can also learn more about me at SkyTeam, S-K-Y-E, team.com. And of course, please be my ally. Pre-order you, me, we, why we all need a friend at work and how to show up as one. Because having written the book, the next thing is to bring it to the world. So thank you, Kevin. I appreciate our time today.